0: Welcome to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson, and today I'm joined by my brother from another mother, Corey Baumeister, my co-host... My love, my brother, what is up, Corey?
1: Oh, so much love, so much love. It is going super good, bro. You know, I'm happy to be back chatting with you guys because it's the only social experience (laughs) I get all week. So (laughs) let's go. I
0: I feel you there. And now if you are looking to listen to other Bash Bros (laughs) episodes, you can do so on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Now that we've got that out of the way, we've just got one more announcement From our advertiser. Hey Corey, how's it going?
1: I'm great bro, how about you? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Brad, I said I'm doing great. I'm just about to actually play in an online magic tournament. Well, have you heard of MTG Melee before? Yes, Brad, that's pretty much all you talk about it. And that is also where my tournament is being held.
0: Well, did you know that there are daily tournaments on MTG Melee ran by almost... 300 organizers that currently use the website? Yes, Brad, That I just said that's what I'm doing. All you have to do is make an account at mtgmelee.com and find a tournament you're interested in. I know, I know, Brad. It's that easy. But what if I don't wanna play in tournaments? Well, you can become a tournament organizer and run them yourself. On our homepage, there's a link to apply.
2: Okay, but I'm not really sure MTG
0: Melee, your number one source for organizing and playing online magic tournaments.
1: Hashtag sponsored, bro. Hey, also, how much
0: are we getting paid for this commercial? Oh, you're not getting paid for this.
2: Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I guess that is fair and accurate for what we're worth.
0: MTG Melee, sign up today. wow, I really butchered that I'm Yeah, to, add that to the notes. And I'm like, oh yeah, we have another thing to put in here from, <laughs> from, from that company I'm a part of. <laughs> I'm glad you're staying true to uh, the, the places that you represent, bro. Yes. All right. now, now we've got a lot of uh interesting topics that we're going to be uh, talking yeah. about today. Uh, We're going to be hitting, hitting it and quitting it on a few, uh, short topics about the dci program the changes to that and also sug updating their schedule with canceling a few events um and then our main topic for today is going to be about how deck building has changed in standard over the years we're going to really take a deep dive into a look um into how the cards have changed and how we've adapted because the decks are playing out you know very uniquely uh as right now as they did before but before we do that We have to introduce this week's special guest. That is right. The Bachelor's Podcast always has a special guest. So special. So special. (laughs) And since, uh, you know, Wizards uh, decided to get rid of DCI numbers, we brought in the one person who willingly gave theirs up months ago. And that is none other than MPL member, Mr. Brian Brown, doing BBD. How's it hanging?
2: You know, it's hanging quite well uh thank you for asking that very awkward question uh you know it's, it, it, it really it's an honor to be a part of this cast uh i listen to you actually i've never i watch you guys every week and okay, uh, good. you know it's it really appreciate what goes on here and and i'm i'm, I'm proud to be a part of it and you know the thing is is like about the about the dci numbers like i'll go to a tournament and someone will be like uh hey can i get your number and I'll be like, ha, sorry, gave that up months ago. So uh Brian, do you think maybe they were asking for your phone number? Oh, okay. Maybe that was it. All
1: yeah, right. I mean, and BBD, that was me because I wanted to have dinner with you. And I really did think it was weird why you kept trying to talk about your DCI number when I just wanted to have
0: beat-ups with you, but whatever. Okay.
2: All right. Well, it's all coming together. I got it. Got, okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's where we're going to start. This week that there was an announcement um, that they're going to be suspending the DCI uh, numbers area of the program. Now, now DCI numbers, I know, uh, <laughs> and, you know, these numbers have been used since we started. I mean, my number is eight digits. I don't know how long y'alls are, but, you know, these these numbers have been growing since the beginning of Competitive Magic. Now, uh, you know, last year or two years ago, at this point, you know, we had an announcement that Magic is moving into an eSports direction and the DCI program, while it did facilitate some of Magic's needs for many years, uh, it, it kind of always was hit or miss, right? Like we used to qualify people based on their ratings using the DCI program. And we stepped away from that because it stopped players like Corey, you were one of them. You used to not play in events because oh, yeah. of this. Yeah, um, it was uh,
1: It was a very weird system that promoted people camping on their rating because you would qualify with like the top 50 in each geographical area so let's say you were 30th you do not want to go play f&m and stuff for like a month because that may risk you qualifying for a pro tour so not a good system i'm glad they did away with that it was very unhealthy for just people wanting to play the game
0: yeah and then you know then there was planeswalker points all these things now It's fine if it exists, if it doesn't cause problems, but I do believe that one of the biggest uh, issues with the DCI number system is it's attached to our personal names. And now in the esports world, that's not really the case. And keeping players privacy is a very big concern. And so a move away from this on the competitive and the OP structure, I believe is a good place to go, especially if people are gonna be qualifying for things or big major events are going to be playing exclusively online. We shouldn't Mm -hmm. force every single player to have their, you know, personal information public and live at all times.
2: Yeah. I think that this, this move is a hundred percent because of, uh, liability surrounding like privacy of people's personal information. Um, And you'll even notice now people going back and looking at their old Planeswalker Point history where there's a lot of names are gone and it's because those people like never updated their Wizards accounts so Wizards can't Mm. use their names anymore. Uh, So yeah, this move is 100% a legal liability type thing to move away from requiring people to provide personal information to play in Magic tournaments.
1: That makes sense. I never really even... know thought that that was the reason i i I honestly thought it was just like website upkeep like just kind of pointlessness to it when we don't you know get buys with grand prix and stuff like that but honestly that makes a a ton of sense
0: yeah and 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 then you know knowing knowing magic players not liking change uh, a lot of people went to the internet saying that they're deleting a history of magic and well there is some history with our DCI and knowing who we played against and when we played against them and all of these things. I'm actually not like in love with this argument either. I think that it is just rooted in, you know, personal bias and something that is not necessary for magic. There's still event coverage and and things to look back on, on the history of magic. All those articles are still being housed. They're not deleting that side of things. Um, So I, and while there is some useful data in a player's career, to be used there. We don't even use that information that well when it comes to like voting for the Hall of Fame and things like that. You, it's just often used by the same players wanting it to exist very biasly anyway. So, um and maybe I'm going to take some fire for saying that, but it's just true. You'll find the one metric that makes the person you want to vote for look better and you'll ignore the bad ones. And the vice versa, you'll look for the bad ones for the people you don't want in there. It's it it I just don't think that this data and history of win percentages and metrics and medians and all of these things are that useful. I think keeping the big, the big numbers, you know, like the 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 top events and things like that, and structuring it a little bit better, whatever. I'm not arguing all the little semantics. I don't want to get into the weeds here, but I do think that that is a step in the right direction, even keeping the history of the competitive side of things.
2: I, I think that. Um, <clears throat> I think that people losing their DCI numbers is just not a big deal at all. Personally, like it's it's a step towards a better like the DCI is a 25 year old program. You know, it has to at some point in time, it has to evolve into, into a more modern program. So I, yeah. I think that that's, uh, you know, something that people could have predicted what would happen and, and is is a fine move. Um, I, I do disagree about erasing um people's match histories I, I personally think it's really cool to go back and look at old events i played and reminisce about uh you know some of the tournaments that i played uh and, and so on I, I i don't think that they should just delete that data um i, I think they should make it a avi- like find a way to make it available to players who want access to it um You know, I I just doesn't make sense to me to get rid of that kind of stuff like that information already exists. Why? Why erase it Uh, moving forward, though? It makes a lot of sense to me to stop using DCI numbers and stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think they're actually going to delete it right now. They probably don't have a plan for housing it or that's why they haven't responded. Um, but I, I would be shocked if they just delete it, especially after some of the outcry on social media about it yeah um, i don't
2: I don't think they'll delete it either they'll they'll no. find a way to provide it to players for yeah, sure I'm
0: not, I'm not worried about that i mostly I was just coming from the spot of like there it was there's there a lot of uproar but we but yeah. moving on
1: one uh, i want to say one last thing on it the one thing I'm kind of excited for is if all the match history goes away is I finally don't have any evidence of how bad of a win percentage I have in limited at Pro Tours. So that's one uh-huh. uh, silver lining for oh, me. Oh, no,
0: the, the data doesn't get wiped from the internet. That's still on the ELO project. Ah, shit. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. never yeah, mind. My, my 42% win
1: rate in limited will live on, I guess. Yeah, the, like,
0: I don't <laughs> think Wizards is going to scrub the internet,
1: you know? <laughs> uh, that's too bad. That's too bad. I do just want to
2: say one thing, though, which is that people... Every time a new change comes out, everyone is always it's just the way like it's just human nature. Everyone is always resistant to a new change, regardless of whether it's actually a good thing or not. And I'm not saying that all change is good. um, But in general, like if nothing ever changes, nothing ever gets better. So uh, I, I kind of have I'm kind of at the point where when I see magic players complaining about something, I kind of just tune it out. And just, I, I, like, I know that's just stupid to say, but it's like I, all I ever see on social media is people just complaining about every new thing always. And it's like, I mean, I don't know. It, it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf or whatever. Like, it's just like magic players just will complain about literally everything. Um, some amount of change isn't good, but some amount of change is good. And every yeah. every new change that comes about always gets complained about. Uh no matter what it is. So um it's it's you know, I have a hard time separating what's something valid for criticism and what's just people whining at this point, honestly. But. Yeah.
1: And honestly, the only one good thing that came from this whole DCI suspension of the uh, and uh, the DCI program not being the same is just Callie Anderson's tweet though. Did you guys see this? Oh, it, oh, it, was, was, it was it was
0: so good. It was really, it <laughs> so was...
1: good. So Callie ran, you know, like the scorekeeping board for the longest time. And she's like, Oh, now y'all finally remembered your DCI number. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> People are adding their DCI numbers to like their, their handles. And
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, for, for full, I'm going to ruin the joke by explaining, but, but for full context, People would come up to sign up for tournaments and they would never know their DCI numbers and so she would always have to look them up or whatever. So <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh that it's, was good. It's so good. All right. Yeah. So so moving on to something that was predictable. Uh I guess that's not a good segue anymore because we got past the yeah. Never mind. <laughs> Somebody said something that wasn't predictable earlier and I was like, that's my transition. And I started in my
2: brain. Hey Brad, you know the best transition is?
0: <laughs> what? Oh, that is a good one. (laughs) That's how you
2: that's how you move from section to section. Come on, that's Hey, hey,
0: Brian, we're not at the cast we're not at the casting crew yet.
2: (laughs) Podcasting 101 right there. All right.
0: So so another big announcement that actually came out yesterday, right before we recorded this. Well, today if we're recording it, is SCG is canceling more events um, because of the COVID uh nineteen situation. Uh, Louisville, May 23rd to 24th, Philadelphia, May 30th or 31st and SCG con summer, June 11th and 14th. So that one hurts. That that, one hurts. That one does hurt because Corey was in the race for, uh, the players championship was. Oh no, no, I don't care about that. I'm just
1: saying the invitational, not, not having the in Roanoke tournament. Those are, I, I got to do it
0: once and it was so
1: awesome that, mm-hmm. you know I, I was really excited for that
0: i i thoroughly enjoyed it while i was there as well um yeah but so with the canceling which is a very responsible move from the company um mm-hmm. they're just deciding to move a lot of the qualifications and keep the players championship for 2020 alive by by re- reallocating a few of the qualifications but just cementing in the top three uh spots so how the how the players championship qualification works is um one aspect of it is the top three points earners from each season there's two seasons you know the the first six months second the back six months or whatever yeah of the year front nine uh, and the back uh, nine yeah front <laughs> nine and back nine would qualify and since the season got interrupted halfway through they're just going with those three players and those two players are zach allen will Polium, and Pete ingram uh so congratulations to all three of them to they're Ooh-hoo! all going to the players championship uh whatever that looks like, when it happens.
1: Yeah, here's my uh, question, bro. Like, what what are the odds that the Players' Championship, I know this is a question that can't really be answered, but, you know, do you really think the PC could still go down in, uh,
0: in this climate? Well, I don't know what's going to happen in the future for tabletop um, events, but I, I, mm-hmm. I would give a suggestion on online tournaments if yeah. they want to go down that path. Uh, Well, what kind of platform could support that?
2: (laughs) None none that come to my smash.gg, I don't think. How
0: dare you? You son of a.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Son of a what? Son of a what? Um, I will say that I'm I'm happy for, well, I'm happy for all three of these players, but in particular, I'm happy for Pete because he kind of got screwed over by. watsi op in the last year not that's not a dig on watsi like they they had tough decisions to make with the covid stuff but he was mm-hmm. he was at the top of the rivals uh he was at the top of like the competitive magic to maybe get in a slot into rivals uh, if he beat cory
1: Burkhardt in the finals of phoenix or in the top eight he would have been rivals and if he won the tournament like cory he would have been MPL. So yeah, no, I, no, no, I was no, no, no. really. He was yeah.
0: no, they didn't change the MPL. Oh really? I thought Corey got into the <laughs> MPL. No, Corey got into rivals. Oh. oh okay, I didn't know. I watched. No, nothing, yeah, nothing has happened to our meal ticket, Corey. Don't worry, Brian's oh, fine. <laughs> All right, just
1: making sure. But yeah, I really felt for Pete too. MPL being for uh, life. <laughs> <laughs> I really felt for Pete though, being in the the team chat with him. Um, uh, he's like, oh great! I'm finally winning like every single tournament I play, and now uh, a virus completely shuts everything down. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it,
0: it, 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 it's that the the OP decision on Pete. He was just on the outside looking in, which is a shitty spot. So yeah. getting, you know, getting some feel goods from the same situation, it has to be nice for him.
2: Yeah, now, it, it, it just sucks too, because like the last, there's been so many changes to the OP system over the last few years. And anytime there's a change to a system, there's always people who get screwed by it, just how it always works. And so and and there's always people who have to, like, pivot and they might have been doing really well at something that no longer matters anymore. And Mm -hmm. so for some people, it's really frustrating because they go like, you know, they're like doing really well and the system changes and now they're back at square one. And then they work their way back up and the system changes again and they're back at square one. And now they work their way back up and then. COVID hits and they're back at square one like that's incredibly frustrating uh for a lot of competitive players and many of them have given up and I don't blame them so um mm-hmm. I like, I I definitely feel uh for for players like that and so I'm I'm happy that I mean it's not the same as as getting into rivals or whatever but i'm i'm happy that at least he he gets something out of this so
1: yes. yeah and one thing uh i want to give uh, a huge shout out to those three players for i was in sixth in the leaderboard and i top aided four out of seven events and i was not in the top three so these players their resumes for this season were outrageous yeah, i know won. zach zach won two of them yeah <laughs> um you know did, i mean did, just will just beat you in the
0: finals of one of them or two of them
1: No, we beat him in the finals of one, and then they beat us in the top four of one, but then lost in the finals. Will made the finals twice, and then, like, top four, two of them as well. Um, You know, and then Pete won one with me, uh,
0: won one on his own. Yeah, Pete has two trophies as well. Oh, in, in, in the course of seven tournaments? Yeah, this is a skill game, everyone. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah i mean it's crazy i mean i was yeah, in why sixth do you, place why do you think i stopped I playing the game I mean? <laughs> yeah. you were sick of not getting lucky with us for hero huh? exactly
0: <laughs> all right well now let's all move right. on to our main topic though let's so do it the main topic of this episode is going to be uh in a look at how the cards have caused deck building to change in the standard format now we can we can say it it has changed in other formats as well but we're going to focus on standard to really um paint that picture now um I, i've been playing magic for half my life now um and you old know, I was, I was, yeah i was i was getting excited to <laughs> get to that but this was the, this is a the year that i hit half half my life so i've been playing standard for 16 to 17 years now Um, Wow. yeah, it's it's, (laughs) it's a lot of years. But so in the course of that time, we have seen a lot of shifts on how cards have been designed and and how how it affects the competitive uh, atmosphere. Um, And so today we're going to be taking a look at that because what we're doing in Standard uh, has completely shifted. And I think the biggest change to Standard, the most on the nose has been Companions. Um, Yeah. but, But Companions might be a new aspect i personally believe they don't change the importance and what is important in standard so to to start to start the topic off i'm going to go through what i consider to be the most important thing that happens in standard and that is two things, uh, with a few you know breakoffs. The
2: most one important be- thing, and there's five of them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I was going to make the same joke. But here's the most important thing, part three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's two major things that 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 are that should be valued uh, when you're trying to find a good strategy in standard is card advantage. Card advantage is one of the most important aspects of standard and uh, interaction. And what I mean by interaction is maximizing your interactions efficiency while trying to minimize your opponent's interactions efficiency.
1: Wait, that's what we've been doing with uh, social distancing the whole time. <laughs> trying to maximize our situation and trying to avoid other people's what? situations, what?
0: right? <laughs> that, that is a terrible joke because there's a lot of that, that's just that's bad.
2: <laughs> well, I said that poorly. I save it, it for the oh man,
0: <laughs> the post. Save this it, is the it, cast. Yeah, save it, yeah. Save it for like the private chance, Corey. Jeez, <laughs> what that is aggressive. Whatever,
1: whatever. I didn't mean it in a bad way. <laughs>
0: oh good, because <laughs> I don't know how it could be taken. Well, <laughs> anyway, so so uh, because of this. Uh, you know, we've seen companions come into standard and shake things up and it's shaking things up in other formats because they're they're potentially breakable. We're seeing Lurus all over the place is just this free roll of card advantage and maybe even enabling. There's other ones enabling certain strategies, doing things in legacy. The the red white one lyris or whatever. Um, is that the name? No, what's the red white one's name? I don't even know. But mm. is it Lutri
2: or is that the blue red one?
0: That's the blue red one. Yeah, whatever. What Ket, Ketra.
2: Oketra, uh, is it Oketra? Oh,
1: no. the the activated ability one, right? That is being played with like Heliod Company decks and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. The acti- and and also working with like Basalt Monolith and and things like that. that oh, that sure. Just creates its own engine. Um, we're seeing things like that. I think that'll fix itself. I can see bans there, but in standard, they've kind of just made a helm there, where, in my opinion, they are just the new face of mid range strategies. And, and we have to understand that conceptually uh, and, and build around that. And we're seeing that evolve, right? Like, let's, let's just, like, take a look at a current standard deck, it's, which is Bant, uh, Bant, uh, the... Yorion. Yorion, yes. <laughs> um, that deck generates a ton of card advantage, uses a lot of permanents that have entered the battlefield effects, card advantage, uh, to then reset them with Yorion. And this deck is getting exploited by a lot of combo decks because it doesn't interact that well with them. Uh team of reclamation, both team of reclamation and even the cycling decks, uh, these new Boros Cycling decks. I don't know if you've seen one yet, Brian, but they are they're wild. I played a a, uh sorry to just jump on this, but I I played against the Boros Cycling deck with a pretty much a heroic strategy and standard. And it was by far the most common uncommons, I think, that have ever been in two standard decks at the same time fighting each other in my entire career.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like you need one mythic to complete both of those decks.
0: One mythic wild card. The mana base, that's it. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was it was wild. Um both plural <laughs> strategies. Um, but yeah, yeah. so <clears throat> we're seeing card advantage completely change the landscape of standard. Um and and I just want
2: to you know, say that th- this has been a little like kind of like. I don't think companions are new in that regard. They're just like kind of the epitome of, of the kind of thing where magic has just been trending more and more towards the concept of you never run out of things to do with your mana. And you have things that scale as the game goes on. And I I believe that's a conscious design choice by WotC to uh, make the game more fun for new players where, You don't get mana screwed as much because you have cheaper plays. And then those cards provide you with value even later in the game. So you don't flood out and have nothing to do as much either.
1: Yeah, I've been uh, personally really enjoying playing with the Companion so far. You know, I mean, I I think people really focus on the negatives of it uh, a lot more than just, you know, trying to build new fun ways to interact with
0: them. So I don't know. I've been enjoying them. Brad, you feeling the same or? Well, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've been having fun, but I want to go off of what Brian's saying and give some examples. Now, okay. like Brian was talking <laughs> about, you know, never running out of stuff to do. And we're seeing that in even the niche cards. Now, if you look at a like Kid and Bounty Prodigy, that's the mythic Simic creature. It's a blue-green 2-2. And whenever you tap an online land permanent, for mana, add mana of any type uh, permanent produced. And then it has some seven mana ability. I don't even care. I'm not even going to read it. It's just something to do with your mana. And and we're just seeing cards like this being produced more and more. We're seeing cards that are looting more, drawing more, finding more action. Um, I mean, they're they're all just giant text boxes all around.
2: Yeah, like uh, Um, the Omens are a good example of something where it's like you get an effect out of the card that's like kind of worth the mana you spend on it. And then if you ever have extra mana, you scry, you know, like.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And and (laughs) we have and and this is well, like one of the craziest things I think about standards. There's a lot of utility lands in this format. But they're not like disruptive utility. They're they're uh, like the castles and there's a new land that's being played that like draws cards based on, um, what is that called? It's, it's uh, bo- yeah, Bonders Enclave. Which draws card for colors. Equal draw to card. toughness or something, right? No, activate this. It just says three mana tap, draw card. Activate this ability only if you uh, have a creature with power four or greater. Oh yeah, sure and and the triland cycle the temple scry uh you know these are all abilities that tell you play more lands and get rid of extra lands later in the game mm-hmm. um and and so you know and and while i i honestly believe that this is a good step on making magic more interesting and playable for new players Um, You know, a lot of the old guard and the players, like even including me, like I understand the game is not as enjoyable on the replayability as it once was for me. Now, that's that's really where the topic gets interesting, because uh, we're, we're seeing this effect. So this effect that cards are being drawn more lands flooding isn't as relevant anymore means that spells lose value. I remember playing mystical teachings and loving a card like that. That was three colorless blue uh search your library for an instant and put it in your hand with flashback five colors black and you always flashback mystical teachings to get a mystical teachings
2: yeah mystical teachings hmm. for miss teachings for teachings was like a core part of that strategy
1: oh yeah. and playing drana and stuff that was uh that was a nightmare i don't know what you're Dr- trying about.
0: draw new was the card draw new okay yeah. <laughs> yeah, and 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 you know these these strategies strangling soot, you know, you'd splash, it was a three mana destroy a creature that costs three or less or power three or less or something with a flashback of seven. Yes, that was playable in standard.
2: Oh, it was great. Six, that card was awesome. Six mana <laughs> flashback, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Oh, it might have been six, yeah. But you yeah. know, and 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 these were cards, and that was how you accrued your value. Think twice even like came and gone in standard. Um, and now we have like jump start, which is kind of a fixed flashback. Yeah, we didn't
2: even think twice about putting those cards in our deck back then. Oh no! Wow,
0: <laughs> over over Brad's head on that on that one. Oh no! I was just I, I took that opportunity to take a drink. I was like, Brian's <laughs> going to tell a terrible joke. I won't have to laugh at this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I won't need to use my mouth for the next five seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: so
0: so with this change, you know that I, I'm running my starts. mouth, so you don't have to. There we go. <laughs> So so with these giant changes to card design, um, that is really where the conversation uh, has its argument points because with this evolution of building more powerful cards with more text, magic as a game can break more often. We saw that with cards like Veil and we, w- pretty much let's just talk about Veil of Summer. Uh, we've seen cards like Veil of Summer forever, right? But it was just like you know, Autumn's Veil, which would give your permanence hexproof and make your spells uncounterable. But then they added more text to the card. They gave Mm -hmm. it draw a card. They gave it the ability to give yourself hexproof. So not only were you stopping uh, cards that you should, like a counter spell, but now you're stopping Dovin's Veto. You're stopping Thought Hemorrhage. You're stopping Thought Seize. And all of a while you're drawing a card. And adding that value to the card makes it playable in standard because all the other previous versions of it were not playable. They weren't efficient enough.
2: I don't know about that. Autumn's Veil
0: saw some amount of play. Did it? I don't remember seeing play. Oh, it did. Yeah. Well, did it see play in, like, Gruul Ramp decks? I mean, it didn't see
2: the widespread play that Vale of Summer saw, but people did play Autumn's Veil.
0: Okay. Um <sighs> Well, I, I actually don't remember that seeing any play, and and, and maybe it,
2: like wasn't it around? I t- weren't people playing it with Primeval Titan? Wasn't that a thing? I don't know. Maybe that
1: I'm would wondering. make sense to be backing up for counter or for combo decks. But yeah, I, I'm yeah, with Brad. I, I don't remember uh, playing with that card, but I sure as hell remember the first Vale experience.
0: Yeah, and and with that though, we get more Okos. We get more cards that break because of the value, right? Like the problem with Oko was because the all of the creatures that, well, Oko was already good, but in Standard, it really got pushed over the edge, in my opinion, because of Veil, because Gilded Goose not only uh had the ability to produce mana, but it came in with an extra permanent that could be used later on in the game. So if you kill the Gilded Goose, it left card advantage, right? It left a piece of cardboard on the board. Wicked Wolf not only had a fight ability, but it used these food. And so adding additional text to all of these cards to give them more value, to give them more card advantage and more options has caused certain cards to just be a little too good. And we're seeing larger band lists and standard than we have in a very long time. We're seeing um, the, you know, the, the customer, what's the word, what, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, I don't know. The, hmm. uh, like customer faith.
2: Oh, uh, like consumer confidence, that kind of stuff? Yes, the consumer
0: confidence is at an all-time low for the players that have been around for so long that they're just ready for the game to break. They want to pounce on it. Every time a card looks too good, it is too good.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of that now where, like, the starting down the path of having to ban so many cards in Standard has now just caused people to condition themselves to want to ban anything they don't like playing against. Like...
1: Which I have to say is the worst new trend uh, to come out of Magic from 2019 because it is just leaving people not wanting to build decks to answer certain cards anymore like and I, just only solve them by banning them, which I, I like, just hate so like much.
2: I see but. people calling it To Fairy Time Reveler. It's like, yeah, the card is a good card, but like being a good mm-hmm. card is not caused to be banned. Like... I, I don't know it's
0: well, I mean, yeah. we both kind of got into it on Twitter with people and it wasn't like too savage. No, it wasn't but, like, savage at all. But, but. It, it started it started around Teferi and, you know, we both were defending Teferi, Time Traveler's existence and standard. Uh, well, a lot of people that were in the arguments were saying that our defenses are just, you know, saying that a lot of other things should not exist the same way. I'm like, well, this is a good wa- and, and an example of this is like it's a good way to beat Team Reclamation, and without it, team reclamation strategies or flash strategies in general would be too good, and people are like, "Well, the, then that means that the flash strategies are too good," and and this kind of kept repeating on itself to the point where it's like, "That's just magic." There's yeah, like like yeah. if you if you want to ban uro and and nightpack Ambusher and wilderness reclamation and to and fires and narset and and <laughs> companions, and... Yeah, they're
2: going to ban 20 cards, and then the resulting format is going to have some other card that's all of a sudden the best card in that resulting format, and they're going to want to ban that card too, and that card's <laughs> probably going to be way less fun to play against than Teferi is because there's no countermeasures anymore because you banned every good card in the format. Like <laughs> it, Honestly, it's a, it's absurd to me. It's like people have no vision beyond what's right in front of their face like and i and a lot of people are newer to magic so you know I'm, I'm, I'll, i give people a pass for that but it's like I, i've been playing standard not quite as long as brad but almost as long i'm playing standard for 13 years or whatever and there's always good there's always a best card in standard and it's always annoying to play against every single time because it's the best card in standard like it, it, there's a reason it's the best card in standard because it beats you you know so yeah, yeah. people don't like losing it's not fun to play against. i'm not saying it's fun to play against teferi but in terms of like good cards in standard that define the format teferi is literally one of the best we've ever seen in terms of like the fun value like i i think i mean and i i people's mileage can vary people like to play counter spells and stuff but like if Teferi wasn't around and every match was you never resolving a spell against Flash or losing to Wilderness Reclamation over and over again, people would complain so much more about that than they're complaining about Teferi. And it's like the the power of Teferi is that it's like a, a three mana card that limits when you can play stuff and gets a small marginal amount of value. Like compared to like the Bloodbraid Elves, the Thoughtseizers, and the Bitter Blossoms—collected companies and stuff like that—is so tame compared to some <laughs> yeah. of the stuff that has dominated standard formats before. Like, I, I think the is like one of the best possible cards to have as like the annoying card in your format. Well. Well, God, it, I did just
1: have flashbacks though of my opponent top decking Bitter Blossom after I thought sees their Bitter Blossom. And God, was that annoying. Oh, the game was over. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, it was done. The game was just over. Thought like, seized a Bitter Blossom,
2: it, game over on turn two. You play a Teferi <laughs> on turn three. The game goes on for it. five more turns, and it might be <laughs> tough for you to come back from it because that's it's a good card, but oh,
0: you don't you know get to play best? Magic.
2: So. I yeah, think the best yeah. part
0: about Standard right now. Now, I have two things that quick want to say. is I've been playing longer games of Magic in this format than I have in years. Yeah. Some of the games are super long. Well, they te- go really long. Teferi, I mean, his voice
2: on Arena is actually completely true. He does slow the game down.
0: Oh, yeah, <laughs> <Like, laughs> but, but I, but I, I want to say something about what you said. It's about, like, there's always going to be a card that people think is too good and complain about. it. I never articulated this uh, myself, but it, it was my fiance Amber, uh, who, who brought this up to me I thought not I was your significant point. other, Brad. Well, you're my other significant other. We, I, we don't, you're his companion. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You're his companion. You know that. So,
0: <laughs> but she brought this up. I don't remember when, a while back. But she's just like, after seeing, you know, all of this being around Magic for so many years now, she's like, I don't think it actually matters what the card does. If a card is cool and fun until it becomes competitive, which there it becomes too good and broken and unfun.
2: Yeah. And it yep.
0: doesn't actually matter. And I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? You're right. If omniscience, omniscience is 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 like that is Ollie and Trussi's meal ticket, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like let's just be honest. Like Ollie loves Bruce. People love watching Ollie play Bruise. A lot of them have omniscience. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. If that card, when that card is too good and it would become too good, etc. Like there was a there was a legacy deck that was the when the mono blue deck was best.
2: OmniTel yeah, or whatever.
0: OmniTel when that was best, and I think they banned something from it.
2: Dig through time.
0: Dig through time. Yeah, when that was there with dig through time, people hated it. They for despised it. the strategy. They thought it was broken and too good. And we would see that same trend in standard or in historic if omniscience ever um, dominated the format.
2: I want to give a yeah. quick example of this. Uh, uh, yeah, just for my own mm-hmm. pat, uh, history. It is uh and by well uh your history too brad is uh, brad's history as well but pack rat was just a limited card like it was like mm-hmm. it was like a really powerful card for limited but it didn't see any constructed play um like right right off the bat and uh i think it was was it ken yukihiro that top aided uh the approach were with a mono black deck with pack rat in it and everyone was like dude that is so cool pack rat like in constructed in a pro tour top eight this is like a limited card and And then then two months later (laughs) and then i won i won gp um uh louisville Louisville with mono black with pack rat and i I literally made the tweet like if you told me i would have won a gp with pack rat in my deck i would have like never believed you you know that was an actual tweet that i made because it was so cool to be able to use this like limited card in a constructed deck <laughs> and then months later everyone hated pack rat you know it's like yeah. at the time it was the cool thing and then once it became ubiquitous and dominating the format everyone's like oh I can't believe they printed this card pack rat it's so stupid like you know like
0: that's well, just that yeah us, that actually brings us full circle to an argument that is defendable on the other side of things which is the reason pack rat and I think pack rat's the best example Brian is because the replayability goes down and it becomes boring. And literally yeah. pack rat is all about creating more pack rats. A pack rat game <laughs> plays out literally the same as every other pack rat game. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There or were, even like Golo. S- yeah. There were if- some amount of fun games surrounding pack rat, but I do agree with your general point. Yes.
0: Oh or, yeah. Or, or even like Golo's
1: from Aliantrazi. Like when he was playing that right away, we're like, Oh, this Golo's deck is cute. And then when it dominated the format, it's like, Oh Golos is horrible. Let's ban it. Yeah, that is another that's a great,
2: great example. A great
0: example. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and that's where we come into the replayability issue. Now, um, that to me is one of the biggest concerns for new standard. Is and I've been saying this actually. I said this to. I'm going to pull up the thread now. Brian and I have a group chat with our friend Eric, and he asked me. Uh, he he asked me about standard. And I just said along the lines, I can't find it, but along the lines of I'm really enjoying standard right now, but I but no you can't, for, you can't well, find
2: it, but what you could find if you went to that chat is a dog peeing in a box of in, in, into a six piece McNugget box. So, <laughs> I don't know if, is that relevant for the podcast? I don't know but.
1: and you and you won't
0: find a Corey in there because I'm not invited. So. Mm. <laughs> All right, now, so yeah, you two talked a lot. Um, so so pretty much what I said was to the effect of I'm really enjoying center right now, knowing f- full well that um there will be a tipping point where the replayability is killed and I will no longer enjoy it. And he's like, Wow, the fills, you know, because that that is the truth of of the center format. I'm I'm loving these 80 card Bant Yorian decks, but what happens in three weeks? Um that, that is an, an aspect of magic that um, that is concerning but then there's also this the you know the nuanced approach of competitive magic players probably just play more games of magic than magic can try to make the game for
2: yeah that's that that's the big key is that magic's not really designed as a game to be played 12 hours a day by people yeah. but that's how we I mean, no judgment here in any way because i'm exactly this way myself but it's like we get so hooked on magic because it's such a great game and we just want to play it all the time and we just consume as much of it as we can and that's not really i don't like the primary way that magic is designed to be played and so it doesn't really support that kind of gameplay as well as it could and honestly i think they do a pretty good job of making the game playable for a long period of time but it it's almost impossible to design a game that doesn't buckle under some amount of flaws when it's just put under the amount of pressure that Magic is oh, put they, under they
0: they they definitely um they definitely think about that all the time and i can give you a ton of examples if you want to know how much they care about the players that play let's let's just say the players that play too much magic under quotations okay
2: yeah
0: um so for starters, they try to include as many new formats as possible. Um, they create a bunch of new formats, right? We have historic and, and and some people are saying, you know, one of the arguments I see a lot is like, why do you take historic or why do you take Brawl off of Arena? Why do you take, um, why do you flip the the limited format so often? Why do you not have cube all year long? People are, would get bored of it, right? Exactly. If you yeah. had access to something all the time, you would not actually use it. It is this like psychology thing so if mm-hmm. they could they could leave up in three old formats and three cubes on mtgo all day every day and mm-hmm. but if they just cycle the six of them every two months th- not only will your your enjoyment of magic be higher because more people are doing the thing you want to do but they will just run more events yeah it,
2: it, it, it's actually good for players and and also for them. Even though yes. people think that they want to be able to do something all the time, mm-hmm. like it's not actually better. Like,
1: so are you yeah. saying they cannot handle the truth?
2: I well, <laughs>
0: It's it's. I don't know what that means, but it's marketing <laughs> and psychology. And a lot of times, businesses use psychology to exploit their base, but also that psychology is just better for them. Hence, the McRib.
2: Ooh. Is that, yeah. that's a bad example Yeah.
0: no but I'm saying like it's better for people that it's not out all year long so they can only eat something like garbage that tastes like garbage once a year but they sell more of them during that time I think the
1: worst example would have been the Monopoly game from McDonald's that would have been the bad one Well, that,
2: that's a, I, I think the Monopoly game is great if you work for McDonald's yeah, yeah. or are a friend or you know
1: you mean if you were connected with the people that were giving away game pieces to people?
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it was that good of a story for any of them. To be fair, yeah. Um,
1: but no, except us, because that documentary was good. All right. So, so,
2: so, so, getting back to topic, though, we've 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 talked about how like Magic Design has kind of shifted towards cards that keep giving you value constantly, et cetera, et cetera. What? How does that affect deck building, though? Like, how does that change? Because because the way we built decks 10 years ago is not the same as how we built them now, and for good measure, because A, I think we've evolved as deck builders since then, and B, you know, cards are different, magic's different now, so we have to build our decks different to keep up. So I don't know. What do you guys think well, about that? How does that. I think
0: the, I think the biggest rule are you go with yours, core. then I'll say something <clears throat> better than what you said. Oh, of course. Yeah, Ooh. that makes sense. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> honestly, though, the one big difference that I notice for deck building is the fact that sideboard cards are much more... They All the sideboard cards have a really high ceiling in very specific targeted matchups. Like, there is a lot more Noxious Grass, Aethergust, you know, Decree... These type of cards that are really good against just a specific deck, instead of like a broad strokes of you know you bring these in against aggro, you bring these in against control. Like now it's like okay, this aggro deck you bring in this four cards, this aggro deck you bring in these four cards, this control deck you bring in you know that kind of subset well, of stuff. I, think,
0: I I think that that has to do with the efficiency of these cards. I think yeah, what, I think what they're doing what th- that is that is a good point, but I think that has to do with instead of making a doom blade. They want to make a better version of Doomblade for a specific goal. Mm-hmm. So they make a noxious grasp. And and that just has to do with not having universal answers. False. Nothing is better than Doomblade. <laughs> uh, yeah. But but that's that's yeah. <laughs> that's where that's at. Now they just made yeah. the, I think, the best Doomblade of all time. Uh for stand not all time, for standard in years, and it's not even seen any play. Uh, because of how standard looks. Um, it's the uh the heartless something heartless act heartless something heartless act yeah heartless act um yeah but but so what what i wanted to, what i wanted to say though that i think is the biggest thing for how deck building is now is people are not playing enough lands even the people that think they're playing enough lands are probably not playing enough lands i have 39 lands in my yorian deck and i think i should go to 40 um, yeah i saw a list with 41 today online so i'm yeah. like jesus and, and just in general, you're not playing enough lands in your strategy, and if you have and your strategy probably if it's if it's not able to utilize those lands appropriately probably needs to be a little bit more value oriented um, because, you know, there's there's so much value around. A mono black deck has four castles, you and it plays Obosh just in the holster probably not playing enough lands because um, you want to hit all five lands every game you know, and all five mana sources, so Sometimes like,
1: you only need four, Brad. You got that artifact in there, so
0: Oh, for sure. But but <laughs> but what I'm saying is that um with with like throw out the concepts. A lot of the concepts and magic about you know your land drop stuff are just gone. Twenty yep. four land decks, that's a joke. Yeah. That's just a joke now.
2: Ten years ago, you had to really weigh how many lands you were putting your deck, and like aggro you'd see aggro decks with like four and five drops and only 20 lands because you couldn't afford to flood and you could afford to miss your fourth land two or three times and be all right. Um, but now that like magic has really shifted away from flooding out and, uh, like it's just, you know, it's so hard to flood out now when all your cards just do a million things. And yeah, like Brad's saying, you have castles now and you have all these other stuff that draw you cards and make sure you have things to do. Uh, that the easiest way to lose a game is to miss a land drop. And so, yeah, it's just the, that, that I agree like 100 percent like deck building has just changed so much where it used to be a consideration of fl- like flooding out used to be a huge thing where it's like I don't want to play enough lands. because I don't want to flood out or uh, and now that's like flooding out just no longer a thing in magic for the most part. So up your land count by huge amounts like i mean i was uh, even like some decks i was playing like 28 lands in a deck that used to would used to be playing 25
0: oh yeah you yeah. were you were uh, ahead of the curve because by the end of the season the, the Nissa strategies before icoria came out were up to 29 lands um got it so are you saying the e-league deck that i submitted with 24 lands
1: is not going to work out for me uh no you're i mean but, <laughs>
2: but if you're playing an aggro deck you're playing 24 lands in your aggro deck, like 10 yeah. years ago that might have been a 21 land deck
0: you're also playing you're also playing 24 lands in an aggro deck that doesn't play any four or five drop outside of its companion it's yeah. just one in three <clears> drops
1: <throat> that's true and i really wanted to stay on brand and be playing a low amount of lands and hopefully do well
0: like last week <laughs> yeah last week was absurd <laughs> last week i mean i have never seen someone going into the going in cory played a yorian deck now it's you know it's week one standard it's it's acceptable, but he only had 35 lands in his Yorion deck. And I'm like, Corey, that is just way too few. You know? You, and, you told and me after the fact, though, to be that's fair. That's not true. I have timestamps. <laughs> you're just lying to our community. He has well, timestamps, oh, time oh, oh, but oh, it's going to no. be
2: hard for him, that, him to find it because there's so many videos of Six peaks Nuggets. <laughs> dogs he has to get through to get to the timestamps. Yeah. Uh, no, I, yeah,
0: I, I know what you're saying. I, I told you after you submitted uh, to be fair, I didn't know you were submitting that. I told you to submit Team Iraq.
1: Um, yeah, that's true. That's true. And to be fair, I uh, that was a 2 a.m. switch. And the last, you know, I I went through cards that I specifically liked with the deck. And then uh, I was like, oh, the mana base, it's been working out. That should be fine. And then I looked at it after the fact.
0: But. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it was so much fun watching you on E-League. Um, yeah. Always keep a, a hand without good mana and always draw good mana. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Every yeah, somebody, somebody said it perfectly. They're like, yeah, Corey, you should uh, go try to work for wizards in the art department because you're so good at drawing lands. And I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so
0: coming um, back to our subject, just to talk about some things uh, to keep it tight here. Uh, another another thing that people need to do more often with um, deck building in this format, especially in Ikorio, uh with companions is... Make sure that your deck has plans built in to when interaction or at least interacting that turn is not um, when it's not possible that you still have a plan B for yourself. So let's just say plan A is doing your thing and plan B is interacting with your opponent. Sometimes it'll feel like you need to interact with your opponent, but you don't have a good way to do that. So your deck has to have a very good thing to do to try to catch you up. And the best example I have for that is let's just um take a look at um future canisters Bant Yorion deck. Now that that deck has Narsets and counter spells and things of that nature. I my theory was that there was a different Bant Yorion deck that just ramped had Green Cavalier, Omen of the Hunt, Gross Barrel, and Uro, and more lands than, than canisters build. And my theory was. When things got dire and and in the middle turns when I, there was a Narset on the board and I didn't have a way to get, good way to interact with it because I didn't draw the cards that I need, I can just ramp. And I can just go hard on ramp, and then in the late turns, I have a mana advantage on my opponent. They might they might now hold up a counter spell and not use through their mana, and I just start my turn with a Teferi. That gets the counter spell mana out of the way, and then I can just do something with more mana than they have access to. And I can get my value there, and that strategy honestly has just been great. I have been winning all of my Battlegrounds using that strategy.
2: Yeah, um, I I think that that highlights a very good point, um, just about deck building in general, which is that when you have a uh, when you have all these cards that scale into the late game and provide value as the game goes on and on, and you can never flood out anymore because you always have something to do. Uh, you can't put like mediocre cards in your deck anymore. Like you just can't do it. Um, Or like, uh, like cards that are just like uh, trading one for one with your opponent. um, You know, hand disruption. Yeah. Like, like hand disruption is a good example. Like cards that are like, you know, like a hand disruption or a counter spell or things like that. Like you can't really put those cards in your deck as just generically fine cards uh, unless they have a very specific purpose anymore, like, they, 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 you know, a good sideboard card for a specific matchup or whatever. But it's hard to put those cards in your deck unless they have a very specific purpose because they just get so outclassed now. Like you, If everyone can grind indefinitely, the person who wins is the person whose deck is more streamlined with more powerful things to do. And more proactive things to do and less like mediocre reactive elements, just the way that magic generally works. So now uh, with deck building, like you just have to build your decks like the fire decks are where they just don't have that much interaction and they just have a bunch of heavy hitters. Like that's just how you have to um, how you have to construct decks these days. Um, Mm -hmm. Gone are the day gone are the days of of like, you know three Doom Blades and five Counter Spells, and, you know, like yep. that yeah, kind of magic. You just can't like, build those decks anymore.
1: Honestly, you you bring up a really good point um, of just why we're seeing like Team of Reclamation being good because every deck is playing such limited amount of interaction. And I mean, that is why a deck like Team of Reclamation is good because you always needed so much pieces of interaction to be able to combat that deck. So, I mean, that, that makes sense. That's what we're seeing right now.
0: So, so one one of the other things that's very interesting about this is it's kind of a deck building philosophy that um, comes up every once in a while that that I, I talked to somebody in the melee Discord about uh, in one of our like strategy rooms, but um, it, it it just holds so true here. So let's just use Team Ruck as an example. My build last week um, did not have any storms, wraths, or flame sweeps main, and only had two scorching dragon fires in the main deck as interaction, along with one or two blast zones. I was trying to figure out what number I wanted, and That leaves me in a terrible position against aggressive decks. I do not win many game ones there. And a lot of people are like, well, we should add to have a chance there. And to get to the the theory is if a format has a lot of decks that make you want to have longer games, your deck should be focused to be able to not draw dead cards in those longer games. Um, and, And then have a sideboard that... Hammers the high concentration of card quantity that you need to actually facilitate your aggressive matchups because what happens is if you don't have a high quantity of interactive spells for an aggressive matchup in your main deck anyway the likelihood of drawing it by the time you need it in those matchups is is too low. Uh, You're only going to see 10 cards 11 cards off the top of your deck and one of them has to be a wrath effect but now. um when you add those Storm's Wraths and those extra removal spells to your main, when you play a longer match that goes maybe 10 turns, now you're seeing 30 cards of your deck, and if too many of them are those removal spells, then you're going to lose those games. So, building your main deck with too many removal spells in a metagame that's similar to the one now is going to cost you win percentage against the board. Um, mm-hmm. So, focusing on the highest hitting things, the, the matchups that, that, that take the longest, trying to have the most um, interaction possible for those matchups and your game plan built around them, and then hammering the sideboard with, you know, eight or nine, let's call them red cards, you know, removal spells for a team of reclamation deck. And yeah. and and that's the strategy that I've been using for my team of rec decks, and that's where I'm finding the most success. And that's a concept that you should think about moving forward. And and we already yeah. see a lot of decks built that way that are successful. We see, we see like, Canister's deck have, like, 10 removal spells in the cyborg and same with my mm-hmm. band deck. And we see Jeskai guy fires having their clarions and their interaction, their bone crushers main deck because, um, because they have to focus on their anti-creature decks after cyborg. It's more efficient for them to be built that way. So, yeah.
1: and on a, on, sorry, BBD, I just want to make one point on that. And I know we're going to talk about this a little later, but exactly those reasons are why I chose to play an aggro deck uh, for E-League this time. And it's not because I think this is the best deck. Um, Spoiler alert, I'm going to be playing mono uh, black aggro in E-League. There's no
0: spoiler, uh, E-League is over by the time they listen to this. Yeah,
1: so it's either going to be a great call or a a stupid call, but I think this deck is underpowered. But all these decks are trying to not play a ton of main deck interaction, and focus on that kind of matchup in the postboard games so i'm hoping to steal a lot of game ones and just hope you know the power of the deck can push me through but i think that is a hole in the metagame right now with all these decks shifting towards not having a lot of interaction in their deck
2: yeah to, to 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 try to put all this into a general sense the the general concept for deck building is that hedging is no longer really a valuable strategy where it used to be uh, it used to be a thing where you'd build your deck where you had like uh you know you had a, a, some amount of cards that were dead in one matchup but really good in another you had some amount of other cards that were dead in you know that other matchup but good in the first one and so on and you kind of built your deck to kind of hedge a little bit across the board uh to give yourself the best game one win percentage and now uh deck building it just it, hedging is just really bad uh because like if games are going on long and stuff like that like basically what brad said you can't afford to draw dead cards uh or you'll lose those grindy games and so you kind of have to pick what lane you're in um and just you know hammer home that lane and then your sideboard is going to be skewed heavily towards whatever lane your main deck's not skewed against and you try to win post board games in those matchups that way so uh that that's just a new, like, different facet to deck building than before where just not worth hedging, it's just worth making your deck as, as, like, streamlined and proactive as possible.
0: And and I actually think that, you know, so so generalized magic, there's aggressive decks, mid-range decks, control, and combo, and I think that they there's a lot of overlap in there. Um, but I don't think it's just a pick your poison or pick your adventure either. Like, there are decks that they there will just be a correct answer. Like, I think Fire's is the fires just Je- guy fires should always be focused on beating the aggressive decks game one with an anti other stuff sideboard um, because the cards like bone crusher and clear are just so efficient along with their generalized game plan and the cards like you know I don't think you would want to just start with four rabble for legion war boss for mystical disputes in the main deck of just guy fires they don't interact as well with that deck. Um and you have to, you know, make compromises after sideboard and, and you have different different things. So um I do think that teamer and, and also teamer should always focus on aggressive decks after sideboard because you don't play teamer to beat the aggressive decks. You play teamer to get paired against um you know the decks that you're exploiting with counter spells and and, and wilderness reclamation and all of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and Jess fires can play those anti-creature cards, because in the non-creature matchups, you just get to loot them away with your
0: Cavaliers and stuff, too. Yeah, so with what Brian was saying, though, with, like, efficiency, what, what he was saying with the efficiency thing comes with the fact that one of the things that is more true and in, in standard now than it ever has been is you shouldn't strategically pick a lane and stick in it the entire season. Back in the day, yeah. once the Obzon deck showed up, you could probably play Obzon all all season and be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, And there will be some weeks that it's bad, but I think in this, in how standard works now, it's picking new decks m- almost weekly. It's finding yep. your efficiency built into what deck you think is going to be best now, or mm-hmm. maybe every couple of weeks, but the ebbs and flows are much higher. Team Reclamation was great last week. Now we're seeing a lot of hyper-aggressive strategies showing up. Decks that are having good answers to um wilderness reclamation are popping up and these decks yep. might not be good against the last week's metagame, but they're good at the new decks or these the the new metagame that's picking up. So exactly
1: um, and then like next week to beat these aggressive decks or something we might see like you know, Yorian Fires decks coming back because they're much better against aggressive decks and they're worse against Team of Reclamation. You know, it is exactly like that. You just got to figure out what the weakness of your format is at a given week.
0: And the reason that the value is so much higher now, though, is because of the efficiency of cards. Um, mm-hmm. You need the efficiency of your cards to be as high as possible to compete with the, the efficiency of your opponents and in the interaction. And these things are just magnified at this point, right? It's not... It's not tusk is always going to be good enough to play. It's just not. There's there's too many angles of attack in this format, and there's too many mm. ways to gain good card advantage and good efficiency, and and or, or or just there's good ways to exploit your opponent. There's Fires into Cavalier. That's unbelievable, right? There's a seven six for three mana running around. You know, that doesn't get aether gusted, you know, like, like there's, there's a lot of good, powerful cards, but there's really good ways to attack it. You just have to think smartly when you're building your decks and also understand the fact that just because there's, and this has just been the case forever, but I think that it should always be said just because you want to do something doesn't mean it's good enough to be successful and you can't justify your bias opinions by saying something's wrong with the game right yeah you don't the, you don't play jund in a tron metagame you just don't do it you have okay. to pick up a different deck
2: but it doesn't mean that tron needs to be banned
0: or whatever it, yes yeah. it doesn't mean tron needs to be banned
2: but uh, let's get real we should probably ban tron though, yeah
1: i really think we
2: should but yeah <laughs> that's what we're getting to right finally way. i can play yeah, Jund yeah. again uh, we
1: came full circle that we just need to talk about banning cards by the end of this oh, anti banning podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, like the.
2: Yeah, the, the, that, that's less about deck building and more about uh, metagaming. But yeah, like the, the. As anytime you have to build your deck to not hedge and you have to build your decks to uh, be streamlined and proactive. It always creates a like rock, paper, scissors kind of metagame. It's kind of, I yeah. mean, mo- modern has is, is been an example of, of those kinds of formats where people don't change their decks in modern for a variety of reasons. But every time you sit down for a match in modern, you know, did you get rock or did you get paper? You know, with your, mm-hmm. it, just it, is your scissors deck going to win or lose? You know, oh, I got burn. I, I'm 20% against burn. I'm going to lose. It's like, oh, but I got, you know, I, this time I got paired against like affinity. I'm so good in that matchup. Um, that kind of stuff aspect of modern. And I'm not saying that like people love modern and I, I love modern even. I think I think that kind of magic can be very fun. Modern uh, yeah, modern's sweet. But the idea behind formats like that, at least in standard, is that um you know, you have to like things are going like what's good one week is gonna be bad the next week, what's good that week is gonna be bad the next week. People are just gonna keep shifting and you just have to always uh stay ahead of the curve. And yep. even for people who like a lot of players, you know, they have one deck and they don't have the ability to switch to other decks because they can't afford it. Variety of reasons, which is completely legitimate. But what you can still do is, uh, tune your deck. So where like, if you have a, uh, a deck that's like Brad was talking about with team of reclamation, where, uh, you don't have any anti aggro cards in your main deck and they're all on your sideboard. If the metagame shifts to an aggro metagame, you can shift, you can almost just invert your deck list where you main deck those Storm Storm's Wraths and stuff and, and scorching Dragonfires, and you sideboard your, you know, more value oriented cards and uh and vice versa, depending on what's good each specific week. But you can't just keep playing the same deck forever. It's not like yeah, the days of Abzan where mm-hmm. you just played the same yeah. 75 give or take five cards every single week.
0: Speaking yeah, of modern or, though, Corey, didn't you, <laughs> you you took second in the thing this past weekend, right? Or was that two weekends ago? I have
1: uh yeah, it was last weekend. Yeah, it was last weekend I uh took second in the modern challenge and then got ninth on breakers the next day in the standard challenge and had E League. So I had a good week last week as far as tournaments go. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I took second with Teamer Erosa with Yorian. Um and my I went nine and two and my only two losses were both to Dylan Donigan, the teamer Erosa King um in the finals and in Swiss. But yeah, it was a good tournament.
0: Yeah, just just you brought up Modern Brian and I was just like, Oh yeah, like I I, I couldn't even remember. I can't even remember the days and what weeks what weekends yeah. there are, but
1: no. Modern is awesome right now, though. By the way, if, if you guys haven't been playing it, like it is just such a delight of a format. Oh, I don't um, want to talk
0: about modern. Um, I want, I want <laughs> okay. to, I want to touch on what Brian was saying, but I just, I just <laughs> remember that. Um, I don't want to talk about modern,
1: Corey. How about that modern result you had? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Corey's like, oh, the- it's really great. Okay, let's move on. Uh, All right, save yeah. it for the cast. Wait.
0: <laughs> All right, fine. I wanted to talk to you about your result, not about the actual format of modern. But since we're gonna go that way, we can uh we can we can bench this unless there's anything else people want to add. I think uh in there is some really good stuff. Uh we could mm-hmm. have been delivered a little bit more cohesively, but it is a challenging subject to really talk about because it encompasses so many aspects of magic. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean the main no, thing I, the main point is just that the game has changed like magic's just not the same game that it used to be and kind of go back what was said before people are really resistant to change and i I think a lot of people are unwilling to adjust how they view the game and like one of the biggest things for keys for success in magic is to stay on top of how the game shifts and like a lot of people still treat magic as the same game that it was when they were playing five years ago or 10 years ago or whatever and they get frustrated because they're what they're doing isn't working and that you know lash out with like this cards are too good the cards are stupid now they got to ban this they need to whatever it's like magic it's like magic's not fun anymore and it's like i sympathize with the argument about like maybe you don't enjoy this brand of magic as much as you used to i know i personally don't either I don't like games that la- that drag on forever where everyone just gets value out of every card. It's why I don't play things like, uh, what's that format? Uh, where like, like hero like
1: you precinct one. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. Don't like it. yeah like, <laughs> No, cause that's,
2: that's not the same. Like the, the hero mm-hmm. decks were not the same. Like you, you ran out of resources playing Esper hero and your opponents did too. You know, that yeah, it's not the true, same yeah. style of game as, as now. Um, and games and games did end on the third and fourth turn, you know, whether they whether it took six turns to finish it or not. But
1: yeah, I think escape is a big part of that. You know, it's just you always have something to do uh, with your powerful Titans. and But stuff.
2: the point I'm getting to is that like. You know, it's 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 on you to change how you think about the game. It's not on mm-hmm. the game to shift to your whims, you know, like this is just how magic is now, like it or not. And if you want to be successful and you want to probably enjoy the game more, you kind of have to change your mindset as as how to approach deck building, both in the kinds of decks that you're playing and also the kinds of cards that you're putting in your deck and the way you're approaching matchups and the way you're playing the games themselves. You just can't apply old metric, like not metrics, but you can't apply like old ideals to current uh, cards. It's just not gonna be a successful strategy. And I think that's why a lot of people are really frustrated with the game now is because they're unwilling to adapt or don't find it fun to adapt. And again, I sympathize with that, but that's just not a successful way to look at magic.
1: Yeah.
0: No, nope. well yeah. said, BBD. Well said indeed. Now uh to to close out the episode we've got two more Uh, things real quick. We've got uh, any updates that anyone wants to talk about from the personal side of things. If you Mm. want to let people know anything that's going on in your life.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'll start. Um, You know, so I I had E-League last week where I beat five opponents. So I got to come back as the Monarch instead of commentating with Riley. So I, I was very excited to do some commentating. But you know what? I think I'll write out the... Monarch status as much as I can try to become uh, Seth Manfield in 2020. Um, so I'm going to be playing E-League tonight, but this is filmed on Wednesday. So by the time you're listening, I would have already uh, either succeeded or failed. Um, but, you know, really excited. I'm going to be playing mono black Agro. That's right. Aggro in standard. I know this hasn't uh, been a word that people have egg- uttered egg- egg in so long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 T- yeah. agro? yeah so just playing that and then you know what
0: looking for some uh relaxing weekends being quarantined cool all right well i don't got anything because i don't want to be self-indulgent brian do you have anything <laughs> wow. Wow. wow yeah i don't really want to be <laughs> self-indulgent either i don't right, want to well, say who said <laughs> let's go to the cast and crew then all right Jesus so so Christ. everyone if you if you don't know uh, you can support the podcast on patreon.com pattro's podcast and one of the tears i'm out of here
1: <laughs> I hate this podcast
2: but it's your podcast.
1: I know! I'm done with it! <laughs> that was so, a cruel, sick joke. Oh Sorry, Corey, God. you gotta
2: update to the current times. The metagame <laughs> of this podcast has changed.
0: You yeah. shut up, Brian. You shut your mouth. <laughs> so do your you spiel, want, Brad. If you want to support the the Bash the Bros Podcast, you can do so on Patreon.com slash bash bros podcast, become a patron. And if you choose the tier that becomes part of the cast and crew, we put you to work, but we do acknowledge all that wonderful work you do at the end of every single episode. So without further ado, Brian, kick off this week's cast and crew.
1: Yeah. They might put you down though. So be wary of becoming a patron.
2: Oh yeah. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of which, our very first member of the cast and crew is EJ Wren, who is Corey's down player. Ugh. he uh when Corey gets a little riled up threatens to quit the cast uh we need ej to calm him down and get him back in the mood so that we can dagger him again on the following cast oh that hey is guys
1: right. hey guys hey guys i just wanted to let you know uh i just talked with ej Wren over skype <laughs> here uh I'm, I'm feeling a lot better okay oh That's great right. Cur- right.
0: excellent job ej yeah. yeah all right now next up on our casting crew is alex rinaldi who is our data
1: yes yes yeah <laughs> he uh, He, whoa all of the the data data, yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah wow that was good okay so uh, good news about uh, a lot of the uh, lots of people sorry a lot of companies have problems with their data getting lost but he always backs up that data, uh, <laughs> yeah. I,
0: was, I actually thought you wanted me to time it. Yeah, I, I did. Kind of I did, but you were
2: a little too early on it.
0: Uh, <laughs> wow, you guys are really good. You guys are really in sync
1: there. So our, <laughs> our next uh, member of the cast and crew is Paul. Oh, uh, I thought you didn't. You didn't have a uh, a Coke Zero opening thing queued up, Brad. Oh, I really Sorry, thought I,
2: you were going to beat that out, Brad.
1: Yeah, I, I thought so, too.
0: <laughs> I didn't think about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, we bu- we got Paul Kakeroski, uh, who is BBD's wall-staring photographer. BBD does a lot of staring at walls during these boring times. Someone's got to capture all these
0: moments. I love that, Corey's not even going to attempt to say it the way that I said nah, it correctly. <laughs> I don't conform.
2: <laughs> he he right. forges his own path. It's, a, it's an incorrect path, but... Props for forging your own path. All right, next we got... Thanks, sp- buddy. We got Spoon Tongue, BBD's hairstylist. <laughs> I don't know what, was, what word was getting beeped out there. BBD, probably. It is slang for we, big... Wow. Well, no,
1: we, no, we bleep out... We bleep...
2: <laughs> what, BBD's what is it, what name is, it, is like Voldemort. Is for, Brian? It's slang for big yeah um thank you all right so yeah he's he, hairstylist uh doesn't put in the hours but my head is always looking shiny and,
0: and it is looking good now now i did think when you were gonna do the bb yeah never mind i'll i'll say after the cast i'll save it for the cast. yeah save it for after the cast
2: all right next we got david watt special guest screener probably the hardest working and best performing member of our cast and crew
0: um, I, I have words, but I'm, I'm going to save them yeah. for the post.
2: Same for after the cast. Smart. For after
1: yeah, after Brad, the cast, yeah. I I, did, I thought he wasn't on the payroll anymore because of his, uh, job the last few weeks, but yeah, whatever. We'll save that for after the cast.
0: I mean, we're still making those medium bucks. So, so maybe, maybe the, the screening <laughs> is working. All right. So next up we got <laughs> okay. Victor Beauchamp, who is the executive producer. Now we have not been growing down that hard lately with due to quarantine, but I think Victor's got something really lined up for once we, uh, get this lifted and we'll have to figure out the party of all parties and really get our bro down.
1: Exactly. And next up we got symbol and he is our executive waste management operator with all the shit I have to put up with. We have symbol (laughs) to uh, manage all of this waste that comes out of Brad and BBD's mouse.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The only, the only problem with what Corey just said, the only thing I disagree with was the pronunciation of the name. Yeah. All right. Next up, we got <sighs> Rabbit Chicken, Vice President of Video Operations. I know that I personally watch every cast. Rabbit Chicken does a great job there. Uh, well, he helps the President of Video Operations do a great job, of course. Yes. But, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, actually, that's that's I, I learned that that's not how corporations work. Oh, really? So you have a, you have a single president. You can have multiple VPs. Mm. They just they just like do their one area. Gotcha. Yeah, huh. so like you can have a CEO, and then you can have a bunch of VPs. Gotcha. Um, so there, that's just the VP of Video Operations, and then there, the the CEO still is like in charge. You know. Um. All right. So so next up we got Pierre Michelde, who is the assistant to the assistant regional manager. One of the most important roles for one of the best shows of all time.
1: I just yeah. Uh, I- <laughs> 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 you really missed on that one, there, bro. I was just waiting for you to start talking. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> all right. right next up. <laughs> next up, we got Sultan Abbasi. There's no way I'm saying that right, but well, we'll guess. And uh, you know what? If we need to edit it out, that is Sultan's job. He is the heavy editor. We have our regular editor, but for you know all the mispronunciations that me and Brad throw out there it needs a lot of editing uh, also by the end because
0: of, of how big of a show this episode was I bet no one will even hear it I think the whole thing will get heavy edited yeah <laughs> good good the call clear just deleted yeah the entire episode is
2: going to be like welcome to the bash bros podcast and that's all the time we have for today <laughs> <laughs> all right so next up we got Pierre Vendelbo uh, he is the bash bros podcast companion uh unfortunately can't be played from the sideboard though.
0: Is that is that the deck building restriction? That
2: is the restriction. He is oh. in, a, in effect the null rod of Bashbro's podcast companions.
1: Wait, so are you saying Pierre Vendelbo does nothing then essentially so is is does he get the same wage as you brian since that's about the same amount you put in uh,
2: well doing nothing is actually a little bit better than what i do which is actively hurting the cast so
0: <laughs> next up on the list is time girl who is our manager and uh, definitely needs to whip us into shape because this was a loose goose of an episode if i can say it so he might be
2: your manager but he's not mine because I don't have a manager, and I can't be managed.
0: Are you a Karen and need to speak to our manager? Because if you do, that would be time goal.
2: No, I'm not a Karen. I'm, 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 I'm either a Becky or a Barbara. Excuse me, Brad,
1: did you just use the K word?
2: I can't believe you dropped a hard K in this episode. Holy crap. Dude, that, wow. that K word
0: stuff was absurd.
2: <laughs> oh, it's it's insanity. <laughs>
0: oh, I mean, it just goes back to one of the best jokes from... John John Mulaney, John Mulaney. Yeah, it's like if you are comparing it to a word that you won't even say then it's not a worse word.
2: Yeah, it's like (laughs) it's like if if you have two words and you're not sure which one's worse and one of them you won't even say, that's the worst word. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good call. Good call. All right. Next up on our cast and crew is Eric Nall. He is the dump, the dump, the lovely dump truck.
2: His, check his, him out. Does he have the, those I'm lovely dancing. lady dumps? Is that what it is? Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last up we got IPA for breakfast, our bartender only from the hours of six to eleven AM.
0: Oh, is that is that is that real? It's operating hours
2: for IPA for breakfast,
0: yes. That mm. is absurd. I didn't know that the IPA is already putting a restriction on the operating Oh,
1: I'm well aware of his hours. <laughs> 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 Corey, it's
2: 12.25 p.m. What are you doing?
0: <laughs> I had some to-go beers. <laughs> well, well, that is going to be this week's episode. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the podcast. Just so you know and to be to note that you can find other episodes at Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Again, thank you for listening. Hopefully you find the video so you can watch it. Okay, I, I won't make that, that joke. It doesn't exist. Nor does a good outro because this is the Bash Rose podcast. We'll see you next week.
2: Wow, not even to thank the special guest for being on the episode. I feel thank so Thank you, abused.
0: special guest, for being such a. You mu-
2: You're welcome.